Then suddenly, on only a small part of the Earth's surface, the forces of nature are harnessed to do the bidding of the humblest citizen. In process with Lou Barnell on Repeater Radio. the amazing Chisara Agor on In Process. Thank you so much for coming on In Process, Chisara, and welcome. Thank you. Hello. I wanted the show to be an exploration of liveness in sound, live art and performance with women, trans, non-binary and gender non-conforming disabled and non-disabled artists who are underrepresented and working to reimagine the future of their field. I wanted In Process to be a dedication to future and evolving art, performance and music, inviting offerings of music, words, objects and film. We're also creating an archive of contributions and offerings. We also want to explore what an archive might be in its broadest sense. So I've asked Chisara to tell us about a series of inputs or offerings that inspire you, have influenced you or speak about where you are now as well as an item for our live sound and bodies archive. Ever-shifting environments, constantly revolving juxtapositions of experience, are recurring themes in much of Chisara Agor's art. It's a fitting focus for her expansive, multidisciplinary practice, which originates in part from her creative education at a local theatre. From a young age, Chisara learned to sing, act, play, dance and write simultaneously, not to mention her extensive visual and philosophical practice. Welcome, Chisara. So today you have for us a veritable cornucopia of amazing inputs. And the first one is Helen Sabidi, You Can't Run Away. I looked up Helen because I hadn't experienced her work before. This is an amazing piece of visual art that you have submitted as an input. Could you describe this piece of visual art for listeners and tell us a bit about Helen's work and what it means to you, Chisara? The background of this art piece is kind of like a charcoal black. It's You can't make out any, there's no buildings, there's no kind of setting. And I guess what, what part of Helen's work is that she kind of takes it out of a kind of Western idea of a setting or place or even time. Um... So there's a kind of black, grey, charcoal backdrop and these bodies, these black African bodies almost look like carvings and she's painted them um, and some of them morph into one another and there's, I, what would you say the animal is? Because I was thinking like a wolf but I'm not too sure what that kind of canine type animal there is there. And they're all surrounding this ball of light, almost like the sun, um, almost like a fire. And there are flames, what you could consider flames coming out of this ball of light. And they're facing towards it and their hands are reaching towards it. Um, and in these, in the people's eyes, their eyes are two colours, red and, red and green. And that's another thing. That's part of um, the kind of concept of this work is this kind of spiritual altercation, this awareness that these people may have. Um, and the piece is very much, you can. there's a movement about it. Um, you can feel the intensity of, of this light, this energy source in the centre. 
and that seems like these people are drawn to it and also maybe some are a little bit afraid of it but they know how important and how intense it is i was recently been doing a lot of research into african spirituality and more i guess more specifically um, where my father's side of the family are from in nigeria and uh, Ibo culture so Ibo cosmology and spirituality and so i was reading a lot of papers just generally about that and somehow <laughs> i landed on her work also this idea i was reading about eyes and the colors red and green and what that means in in some mythical interpretations about spirituality and and that kind of state of being and her work came up and it was very much i felt a very very beautiful visual interpretation of what i was trying to delve into myself she kind of explores that expression through her work as well about community and pre-colonial spirituality and and that kind of um awareness and energy and it sounds like pre-colonial spirituality is something that you're exploring quite a lot at the moment in your work and it's also a thread that seems to weave through a lot of the inputs that we'll talk about in a minute but am I right in thinking that that's a theme that you're delving into quite a lot at the moment when we talk about history and we the and what happened and and kind of the displacement of not only people but ideas and philosophy it just felt very much like there was something there's a missing piece and studying philosophy as well and and learning about ideas that were praised especially ancient greek we go to plato we go to kind of aristotle we go to an enlightenment all this kind of thing hold on but before that there was a, a huge wealth of knowledge where did these people get there oh they're here they were here since forever you know they just didn't write it down or it wasn't in a book that was provided, or the library was burnt down or it was plundered you know that's and when you get that that rupture you feel it especially when making art I feel so yeah recently it's definitely been part of my work input two Chisara this is gorgeous ever new Beverly Glenn Copeland. This is a single from the LP Keyboard Fantasies, which was originally released in 1985 and was thankfully reissued in 2017 with Seance Center Records.
tell us about this absolute gem. I'm so happy that the kind of turn of events with his life that the music returned. You can just hear the compassion and the love in the track and reading about his life and what his experiences were is just even makes it even more powerful and potent that he continued to make music and that continued to stand in his own truth and be himself and also not there was no it, it appeared to me in the reading about him there was no there was no need to be famous there was no craving to be like oh, oh there was no bitterness and oh no one listened to it back in the in the 80s blah 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 it was more like I'm so happy that people have discovered it now maybe this was music for now maybe this was the music for those people now so maybe that's what they needed and I think it is what we need there's a lot of um uh, heaviness sometimes to what we're experiencing and yeah beauty and and peace almost seems like uh, too much of an ideal or something that we're not allowed to have. And I think we, de we deserve to have some peace and to connect with other people at times. And, and music is one of those things. And I think his music, and especially this song, is just a breath of fresh hair. Input three, Chisara, you have brought for us a passage from Azili's Mirrors, Imagining Black Queer Genders, a book by Omosieke Natasha Tinsley, who is an associate professor of African and African diaspora studies and associate director of the Centre for Women's and Gender Studies at the University of Texas, Austin. Can we invite you to please read for us some passages that you've chosen? I'm going to start with a, a short passage from the introduction that the author starts with. But the question that I struggled with by far the longest before I could sit down to write a word of this book, the question I truly feared I'd never find an answer to was how to write about Izili. I was clear from the beginning that I wanted to write this as a serious, quite literal response to M. Jackie Alexander's call to move beyond the more dominant understanding of African spiritual practice as cultural retention and survival to get inside the meaning of the spiritual as epistemological, that is, to pry open the terms, symbols and organisational codes that the Bantu Congo people use to make sense of the world. But if I wanted to, really wanted to, write of voodoo and Azili as epistemology, to engage the religion and pantheon, not just as subject matter, but as a way of knowing that counters enlightenment rationality, with standard academic discourse, the Enlightenment-inspired literary theory I'd been so well trained to produce suffice? That was one way of reflecting on Izili, certainly. But if I mirrored it back as the only way, I knew I'd be playing it too safe, refusing to tread the demonic ground I was praising from afar. Similarly from the introduction, a section that um, they discuss another author's work in their book, Keith McNeil, who discusses myth-historical archives. McNeil's work focuses on how Afro-Caribbean Orisha worship and Indo-Caribbean Shakti Puja in Trinidad and Tobago record histories of slavery and immigration that offer imaginative truths in relation to which people make sense and compete over life, apprehend the past, present and future, work out complex identifications and relations among self and other, legitimate or mystify social relationships and inequities of power 
and seek self-transformation or greater forms of collective change. Azili's Mirrors focuses on how voodoo also preserves histoire, stories, histories, like that of women-loving Danto and gender-shifting La Sirene, stories of gender and sexual creativity that are also myth-historic records of slavery and revolution. Much immensely powerful work has already explicated how ungendering, particularly defeminization, became a crucial component of the systematic dehumanization strategized under conditions of enslavement. I want to add to this discussion a consideration of how the ongoing, unending development and archiving of creative genders and femininities also enacts resistance to slavery and its aftermath. Thank you so much for sharing that um, and, and for reading those excerpts from the book. I really enjoyed that. How does that speak to your work at the moment? The, the the passage I read from the introduction is a really good example of how I'm relating almost to the world or trying to understand um, knowledge and and history and culture really um, through my own artistic interpretation and kind of the way I create or how I approach things. And so the, yeah, the author talks about moving beyond this understanding of African spiritual practice as retention and survival and trying to get into the thick of it, basically trying to get into the epistemology, epistemology being uh, theories of knowledge. That's what it kind of means, kind of understanding the ideas. And like I said earlier, the cosmology, all the little pieces that, can be brushed over when we talk about African spirituality. It's just this kind of thing, you know. But it, but it's not, and it, it wasn't. It, there are there are terms and ideas and 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 beings and uh, and stories that, if they are on Earth, if they are used to understand the world, we can link to the kind of wider, wider cultural ideas of. That, of human history because they as we spoke about earlier they were connected also I, I you know I, I I love this book because the author uses different artists and their interpretations of how they zili each other the family of you are in, in voodoo how people interpret them in their work but also not even intentionally just how that spirit is a through line um and again so we're, we're talking about perceptions of how we see people being and having that knowledge what that does to how we perceive people's expression um and and that's from a long line of yeah ungendering and femininity and, and masculine and feminine energy all the kind of things that i you know feel today very contemporary always existed so but we maybe not know that because we don't know about that pantheon we don't know about that breadth of knowledge um but it existed and it and it was fluid and it was in the language already and a lot of in the book goes on about this um and it's imagination and it's exciting and it's not stagnant um and it's empowering reading things like this and i i can also understand that at times you know the author even says at times it can be very dense but you go back in and you kind of have to read again. You kind of have to go back and understand it and also not be too hard on yourself. I think there's a pro, we're prone to 
today where we intellectualize a lot of the stuff and I tried to read stuff from the introduction because it's very clear what hopefully the context of the book and what it's trying to do um and that even reading it and maybe not understanding every single word there is a there is a power through it that surpasses the linguistic I feel kind of like what I experienced with like the Tao, you read bits of the Tao, right? And it's not necessarily, you're not like, and this means this, this is what it means. You're meditating on it. It's it's in your unconscious. And I feel like a lot of this ideas have been in my unconscious, but they are being pulled out through, you know, Helen Sabidi's work or listening to this piece of music or reading about um, reimagining, you know, black queer genders, doing all this stuff. It's like, oh no, this was here, this was here. Okay, we're taking it out. We're going to see it, understand what's been inside the whole time or this kind of legacy input four you have got another amazing track for us i own the night christian scott atunda edgewa and saul williams this is a single from the album ancestral recall released in 
this track yeah i just love the, the 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 way it's all the textures and everything and the way the kind of melody the way way the voice comes in and the poetry and again it's the, the album's ancestral recall and i forgot that it was even called ancestral recall but it's bringing you it's get past past present future all in one song it's going it's asking you questions about this, but then the music is doing is recalling this an ancestral rhythm, this kind of feeling of you're calling out into it's just like you're calling out into the night, and you're saying, "No, I exist," you know, in this in this present moment. But I'm I can hear the past, and I'm asking you, "What's going on? Or why things like this?" And it's just this collision, and it's beautiful. Thank you. That's gorgeous. Do you want to read us a couple of the lyrics? If I'm just born once in a lifetime, who am I to make things up? I count the stars, but will they count me? Who am I to lift them up? Who am I, the soldiers ask me? Who am I, ask the police? Who am I but reflection of that uniform beneath? I was born on a forgotten day, but I own the night. I snuck back through time hacks, a mountain of stars over the sea, the rippling torment of solitude. I will reach you if only to shake you awake. Beneath the crust and mantle of this planet is a birthplace, a crystal of light peering through ocean, breath and form. 
I am as conscious of its I as in my essence. I and I am both the music and the bombast of the storm. I own the night. That is gorgeous. It's so great. You know, you ask me all these questions that intimidate me, but I own them. I am here at the center of the earth. And that's, you know, that's what it feels like. So for the archive, we have got one of your tracks, Chizara. We've got Forever. Yeah. This is from the forthcoming EP, Shadows and Searchlights, which is released this summer on Eshell Collective. seems frightening strike me with lightning forget what i do forever you could destroy me if you cannot show me the light will come through i'm just a vessel which life is passing through we make bad choices i make them too to look me in the eye when they deny me the right to take the knee and to take flight. I've got smoking my eyes cause I've been breathing the lies, lies, fighting this time as a best inside or essence style. I keep my head up, tell these people to look me in the eye when they deny me the right to take the knee and to take flight. I've got smoking my eyes cause I've been breathing the lies, lies, fighting this time as a best inside or essence style. I keep my head up, tell these people to look me in the eye when they deny me the right to take the knee and to take flight. 
Why this song in our archive? So originally it, it didn't exist um, on the EP at all. It was, that was another song that I had prepared. And then I'd written the word forever in my notebook. This is going to sound like I'm making it up, but it's <laughs> completely true. And I sat down and <laughs> I got the guitar out. I read forever and I just started messing around with what that meant now. So again, with the time, thinking about present moment, how do I feel and what's the future and who owns infinity or who behaves like time is endless or that they're immortal or that what is that power? Because a lot of the time, especially if you're in a marginalized community, the idea is that you're closer to death or you're closer to the end because of varying oppressions. Um, and the way you never get the world is different. And so time is perceived differently. And so forever for me, it's kind of went, I went, oh, that's a really interesting concept. Um, and just bounced off what that meant. And I guess putting it in the archive now is, it's definitely a pin, a needle point of how, of time colliding in that moment and looking at what was happening. And we had people grieving with people protesting and people um trying to find some peace and trying to navigate their anger um and that's the song but I also you know similar to what Beverly Glenn Copeland talks about in his music is about community and collectives and with the song I had I had a Zoom, because, yeah, it was pandemic Zoom session, choir session. So the voices that you hear in the background are people singing along um, recorded voices because I really wanted to situate it in that idea of a community of voices and that could be anyone's voice. Um, so that's that's why I wanted to put it in the archive because it does feel like a moment in time and people singing out at that at that moment to say something or to express something or to just feel what they're feeling and that's okay. Can you tell us a bit about your future and current projects? A current project I'm working on is called The Air We Live In or Breathe In and it's an R&D commissioned by Sound UK through their Sound Generator programme and it's uh interdisciplinary work um again but it's it's proposing an installation um specifically uh, raising awareness about air pollution and within that kind of climate justice and social justice and and bringing attention to the fact that you can't really have no it's impossible to have climate justice without social change because those who are most affected by the climate emergency and air pollution are um, people of colour who live in areas where they are exposed to toxic levels of air pollution. Uh, Future-wise, I'd, I'd really, after doing Spitterfield's performance, um, I really would like to expand on the kind that kind of work, that kind of live 
visual art performance work and create a bigger piece. I think I told yeah, a musical I've written called The Garden. Yeah, so that's, that is a big project that I'm kind of chipping away at. Um, got some funding in 2019 um, to develop, record some of the songs. But um, that is that that is just my, I don't know, one of the things I know will happen, I don't know when it will, but I will keep pressing on. In the world of musical theatre is odd, um, <laughs> especially with new writing and especially with new writing from black people. Where can we see and hear your work? My website, uh, which is chisaragor.com. There you can sign up to a newsletter. And on Instagram, it's again chisara with the underscore. I want to play one more track to play us out. It's called You Were There and Not There. And this was premiered at Spitalfields Music Festival in July 2021 as part of your work on the Open Call programme. Can you tell us a bit about this piece? This piece is another evolving thing. Um, the base of which was uh, going out into Peckham High Street, so where I live, and asking people who passed by about one time they felt seen or unseen and using their answers as samples um, and embedding them into music, making music around their words. And it was a really great process of, number one, I guess, unlearning any preconceptions you have about what you think people will say because of the area you're in or the people you're asking. And also, yeah, having you, having your own ideas of, of things questioned and changed. And that's, I think it's important for artists to continue to do that, to put themselves in situations where they will be shaken, not shaken, no wait, hold on, let me get it. They were putting artists in situations where they'll be um, asked to rethink themselves because we get stuck into pathways of thinking, even if they are considered uh, right, um, we can still get really comfortable in assuming other people's experiences, um, other people's wants or needs. And so what was brilliant about asking random people about this this very question was the breadth of answers um, that you got. Some people talked about work, some people talked about one um, person in particular talked about not wanting to be seen. Um, another person talked about how in their job they're not seen by certain people. Another person um, talked about how that they were always seen because of their, their own privilege um, and that they had nothing to worry about in that sense. And so... Yeah, this piece uses bits of those conversations as textures and and asks the listener to kind of dive in and go on a little journey down the high street, I suppose. Thank you so much for being on In Process, Chisara. It has been such a beautiful journey through love and peace and the future and unheard voices. Oh, thank you. That was really lovely having this conversation, for sure. Have I ever felt seen or unseen? Have I ever felt seen or unseen? Have I ever felt seen or unseen? 
does not see us. They see us as a part of the furniture, if you know what I mean. Here I am. Here I am. 